Thanks so much for coming and being able to join us this morning. We appreciate your presence. And just great to be able to celebrate with these families and these kiddos and just excited about what's going to be taking place in their lives. Those of you who are parents, you've been parents for many years, you know that uh, it goes from like zero to 60, right? I mean, they're little here up on the stage, and, and they're all cute, and, and everything is great one minute, and then they're talking back the next, and they are, you know, out until, you know, midnight, and just a reminder, though, uh, just, just a good parent reminder, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Can I get an oh yeah from all your moms and dads, right? Okay. Just a reminder about that. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. But all these changes begin to happen in the lives of these children as they begin to grow and as they begin to mature. And all of a sudden, the clothes that they were wearing at one point, they can't wear anymore. But you know what you do as parents? Oh, you take those clothes and you wrap them up and you, you put them in a box that ends up being moved around 15, 16 times in your life from house to house. And, and, and you're like, why am I keeping these things? My children can no longer wear them. They, but there is something important because it reminds you of another time and another place. And so you hold on to those. You wouldn't want your kids to have to, to wear those things again. You're glad that they have grown. You're glad that they have become their own people. You're glad that their styles have changed, but you love to be able to look back and remember when, and that's what these parents are going to be able to do. They're going to be able to look back on this moment, and they're going to see pictures that are going to pop up on Facebook if it's still around in 10, 15 years or so, and they're going to be able to see this and remember, oh man, what a moment, what a great moment to be together with my church family and celebrate the goodness and the blessings of God. So thanks so much for coming and being a part of that here with us today. I hope everybody found your donuts this week, right? I hope you found them. If you didn't know, last week there were some changes in our, in our lobby that caused the donut table to occupy a different space. And for some, that different space was difficult to, to find. Some people not seeing the donut table just assumed that maybe last week we didn't have donuts, there were no donuts. Others went all Indiana Jones and began searching for the glazed delights as if they were some type of ancient treasure. And then there were those with Krispy Kreme lips who wondered why we would even try to obscure the donuts with our children's check-in booth. Not that they believed donuts to be more important than the children, mind you. They just, they just wondered, why, why the different setup? Well, as it turned out, even though it was very unplanned, it turned out to be a great allegory on how difficult it can be to adapt to the most inconsequential disruptions. I mean, let's face it, we are all creatures of habit. From how we get dressed in the mornings to how we like our coffee to the, even the route that we take to get to the office, we all like doing things in a certain way. Each of us, we all just have our routines. We are creatures of habit, and, and that allows us to go on autopilot and then just do life out of, out of rote memory. Everything, even like walking into a church lobby or, or even living out our faith, is influenced by our ability to just do what we've become used to doing. It's only when there is a change to my habit that I get thrown off my game. When something new gets introduced to our routine, when something doesn't meet our expectations, and all of a sudden there is a, a jolt to the psyche. 
You see, when we encounter something different than the routine, we experience a shock to the system. I shared this on Wednesday night in a class that I'm doing called Think Different. And I mentioned how that, that for me, I like to get ready in the mornings all in the exact same order, in the exact same way. Anybody here do the same thing? You follow the same, same routines? Some of you, right? Man, not many. Okay, so we're just the oddballs out. The rest of you just do things crazy every morning. Well, not me. I like to do things in a certain order, even when it comes to, to when I brush my teeth, to also then as I am shaving, and then how I'm going about cleaning up the sink area. And, and for me, whenever I finish shaving and I'm cleaning up the sink area and I'm washing my hands off, I don't reach over and grab the towel that is there next to the sink and next to the vanity mirror. Instead, I go back to the, the towel that I had used earlier when getting out of the shower. And I like to, to use that to dab the face and to, and to have a nice, cool, refreshing sensation after a shave. Well, well, just the other day, though, as I am going through my routine, Miss Tanya says something to me, tries to engage me in conversation in the moment while I am trying to take care of, of getting everything well coiffed and, and making sure that things are going to look good. And all of a sudden, I reached up and I grabbed the towel that was there next to the vanity mirror. And I began to dry off my hands. And it was a shock, and it was a jolt to the system. And I realized I'm doing something that is out of my routine. And so I, I stopped, and I put the towel back. I turned the water on back at the faucet. I, I, I rinsed out the sink again. I washed my hands, and then went over to the towel that was hanging there on the shower and got the nice, cool, frosty sensation. I had a shock to the system. I did things out of order. And you know what that shock causes us to do? That shock causes us to do something that previously we did not have to do. Think. I wasn't thinking beforehand, but as soon as, as Miss Tanya asked me a question, I had to start, oh wait, I, I got to start thinking. How am I going to respond to her? And in what direction now are we going with this? And, and, and all of a sudden, I forgot what it was I was supposed to be doing. I was thinking about something else. Before, there was no thinking involved. It was just doing, doing the same thing that I do over and over. Brush the teeth, shave, wash my hands, go to the towel that's hanging on the shower. And, but then something changed. And because all those systems in our life seek homeostasis, we begin to think then how best to put things back into their rightful place. And that's why I redid everything. And you're thinking, wow, Chris, you are really sharing a lot about yourself today that really explains so much. And we realize more about you now. Well, it's actually why some of you actually did struggle with the donut table being moved last week. Now, this week... We did not put the table back in the original location. We just placed it in a more accessible location for everybody. And next week, it might be somewhere else. You don't know. And you know what? If we were to keep moving that donut table each and every week, did you know eventually you would become used to that? That that would become routine? And then you would expect it to be in a different place each and every time you came into our lobby. You would expect it so much that if for two weeks in a row we kept the table in the exact same place, well, you would walk in and there would be a shock to your system and you would notice that something, in fact, was different. The funny thing is, I remember the initial discussions before we ever started having coffee and donuts in our lobby. 
There was a discussion and concern that coffee and donuts would be too different (laughs) for our church family. Yeah. You know, the reason that some of us dislike different is because of the thinking that it involves. That's not a knock on, on any of us. It's just how we're wired. We do and we feel our best when we only have to think in a linear direction. The majority of us are truly one-track minded. And whenever you disrupt that track, and whenever there is a roadblock, or whenever there is a fork in the road, we're just filled then with anxiety and fear. Something is different, and we are unsure what to do about it because we have never had to think about that before. That being an issue or a position or a person or, or where we live or how we're going to accomplish a task, how we're going to wipe off her face. It is the different things of this life that force us to turn off the autopilot and then begin to think for ourselves. And that's why I'm so thankful when God uses the people, the, the pieces, and the places of this life to randomly just disrupt our routines. Because all of a sudden then we are forced to stop and to think. I'm also thankful that God uses scripture for this very same purpose. Because just when we think we have something all figured out and it's in such a really nice little box, we come across something that the Spirit uses just to stop us in our tracks and make us set up and go, whoa, never thought about that before. Let me give you an example. Now this is not earth shattering, all right? but it made me stop and think a few years back. Did you know that not all the tribes of Israel received an inheritance in Canaan? You're thinking, that's what made you stop and think, really? I told you it wasn't earth-shattering, all right? It's not. But there was a time when I thought and assumed that, that each tribe made up of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob inhabited Canaan after the 40 years of wandering. But as I mentioned in, in our study last week, when, when Joshua was dividing up the land allotments in Canaan, there were a few tribes who received land on the east side of the Jordan. The tribes Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh actually settled outside of Canaan in what is referred to as the Transjordan Valley. Now, you see, when the Hebrews approached Canaan, and before they crossed the Jordan, Representatives of these three tribes, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh, they came to Moses and asked if they could settle east of Canaan because the land there was really large and it was great for their large herds. They found a space that they liked, and they didn't really want to go any further. Now initially, Moses balked at this idea, fearing that the other tribes might want to do the same. And it was going to to be... Kadesh all over again with the people afraid to go into the land and and maybe some even saying let's turn around and go back in the other direction. Moses was also concerned that the three tribes were trying to to get out of any type of fighting that might take place when they go in and encounter these different Canaanites and the people living there in the land. Well long story short Moses made a deal with the three tribes. He said if you're fighting men will accompany the rest of the Hebrews into Canaan and help them secure the land, well, then you can receive as an inheritance the land that has been requested. And here's what the tribes told Moses. It's in your Old Testament, a book that maybe you're going to hit this year if you've started some type of daily Bible reading. I don't know. 
Numbers. Numbers chapter 32. The tribes told Moses, we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely into their land. Let me read that one more time. We will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely to their land. Meanwhile, our families will stay in the fortified towns we built here so that they will be safe from any attacks by the local people. And we will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their portions of land. Pretty cool, huh? We'll get back to that in a minute. Moses told Joshua and the other tribes of the arrangement. And then he warned the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. If you fail to keep your word, then your sin will find you out. You will have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I bet you've heard that phrase before. I bet your Meemaw used that at some point in time. I bet you can remember somebody in your family saying, hey, I just want you to know your sin will find you out. And that kept you on the straight and narrow a lot of nights when you were out after 12 p.m. or a.m. Yeah, midnight, whatever that is. It kept you on the straight and narrow because your sin was going to find you out. But that phrase has been uttered by many a grandmother to remind her heirs to act rightly. That was actually spoken first by Moses to remind a group of Hebrews of their responsibility to help others experience God's inheritance. And for seven to eight years, the men of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh fought alongside the other Hebrew tribes, even though they themselves would never dwell in the land. I want you to think about that. They risked their families, they risked their herds, they risked their lives in order to make sure that others would know the joy of a promised land life. And when the conquest of Canaan was complete, we are told that Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he told them, you have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And you have obeyed every order I have given you. During this time, you have not deserted the other tribes. And you have been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up into this present day. And now the Lord your God has given the other tribes rest as he promised them. So go back home to the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the Jordan River. Friends, I believe we can each look back and we can think of men and women who not content to merely enjoy their own life of faith, walk beside us so that we might know the joy of the Lord as well. Some were able to witness the reward of their sacrifice while others invested in God's kingdom in ways that even though they themselves would not reap the rewards, they happily sacrificed so that in the future others would be blessed by an inheritance from God. You realize that these children that were up here earlier and their families, that they are going to be blessed because of your faithfulness 
not only here in the present, but also in times past. That they are going to be blessed in the future because of the way that you commit to walk beside them, to, to lift up their arms, to, to encourage them, to, to help shepherd them, these parents, through all of the different ups and downs that are becoming their way. And these children, though perhaps some of you, you don't know them, you don't know their names, you don't know their families, they are going to be closer to God in the future because you are here and part of this church family today. That's a great thing to think about. So here's what I've been thinking. Here's what I've been thinking over the last few weeks. And after reading about this again, I think we all need to ask ourselves, what sacrifices are we going to make in order to ensure that others receive their spiritual inheritance? What sacrifices are we going to make to ensure that others receive their spiritual inheritance. Not me, but, but you. Not just my family and, and my tribe, but their family, their tribe. You see, it can be easy to sit back and just enjoy our spiritual routines. We've come this far, and we really like the pew that we're sitting in. And we like the view. This place is good for our family. And we enjoy our current experiences. We are comfortable. It can be easy to see where we are individually and as a church and say, this is good. And I'm good. But friends, there are others who need our help. There are others that need our help these babies that were just here and these families that we have prayed over today, our teenagers, our single adults, our young marrieds, our Spanish speakers, our senior adults, anyone, young or old, who is struggling to, to see God and connect to a church community. We, like the tribes of Gad and, and Reuben and Manasseh, must be willing to sacrifice so that others can know the blessings of God. And understand, we might never get to enjoy the monies that we spend, or the ministries that we begin, or the events that we plan, or the churches that we plant. We may never step foot and live in that place, but others will know the goodness of God's inheritance because of what we do. And they will grow closer to the Lord. And they will enjoy the fruit of the land. And I love the fact, I love the fact that we are told that the representatives there in those three tribes, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, they didn't just go into battle with the other tribes, but they pledged to lead their fellow Israelites into battle. Now that is different right? I mean, you read that, and all of a sudden, it's a jolt. It's a shock, because it's not what you expect to see. Remember, their families are not going to live there. Their cattle will not grow fat in Canaan. Their homes and their families were on the other side of the Jordan. So I think it's probably normal for us, and I, I think it's normal to expect and, and, that maybe 
All right, look, they're going to go into battle, but they're going to stay in the back, right? I mean, that makes sense. They're going to stay in the back, or at least in the middle of the pack. They had no reason to get all fired up about Canaan, because that was not going to be their inheritance. They were not going to be living there. So just stay where it's safe, where you don't have to risk anything. That, that makes sense. No one would fault them. No one would fault them if they just went along to get along with the rest of the group and looked out then for their own self-interest, just biding their time until the conquest was complete. And maybe that's what we expect as we read through that story. And maybe that's why it jolted me so much when I read and saw, wait a minute, they're the ones that say we are going to lead our fellow family members. We're going to lead our fellow Israelites into Canaan so that they can have their land. Maybe it shocked me so much because it wasn't what I would do. And maybe it's not what we do. You see, I like to find my own spiritual territory. A place that fits my need or, or my belief or my preference or my tradition. And then I like to settle down and raise my family and enjoy the comfort of God's promised land. And if others want to go further, if others want to go further, claiming and living in some different territory, serving God there, well, that's their business. I like where I'm at. And I like what I do. And I don't know, because of this attitude of, of just being on autopilot sometimes, could it be said of us that sometimes we're hesitant to help others in their quest to find the territory that God has given for them. And if we do assist, we are distant at best, and we do it begrudgingly at worst. And sometimes we even say, you just need to stay here in my territory. Because it's worked for me and my family, and it should work for yours. Church, the Transjordan tribes led their fellow Israelites into Canaan. And I think their actions serve as a wake-up call. They serve as a wake-up call for each of us to begin thinking how we can encourage one another to step closer to a life-restoring relationship with our God. You see, too often our our religion and our spirituality has become just singular in nature. And it's become one-track-minded. Where the only person that I focus on is myself. But where the only person I am concerned about when it comes to the relationship with God is myself. And notice, we even use terms like this when we talk about individuals having a what? A personal relationship with God. And yet you read through the, your New Testament and you begin to see how that life with God is not just an individual activity, but it's a community activity. 
It's a community activity where we are all interconnected with one another. And it's why the Apostle Paul would write to Christians living in Rome and Christians living in Corinth and remind them using the analogy and say, we're like a body. We're like a body and, and, and their ears and their noses and their eyes and their hands and their pinky toes and, and their, their arms and their legs. And we all have these different, we all have these different needs and focuses and we all have these different attributes and giftedness. But then God brings us all together for the betterment of the whole. And so I think there are times when we just need to have, boom, shocks to our system. Like reading that particular scripture and going, wow, man. Look at that. You know? Pretty cool. We need to look for ways where we can think about encouraging one another to step closer to a life-restoring relationship with our God. And it's in this spirit that, that we're going to be adding a couple of different small group meetings on, on Sunday nights to encourage our diverse, growing congregation and community. You know, our church family is made up of close to 1,000 individuals. Do you know that? Close to 1,000 individuals who, just like you, are different in their God-breathed giftedness and passions. It is our desire to be able to engage, encourage, and empower each person who calls EB home in order to utilize their uniqueness for his glory, not just in this space, but in all the different spaces and the territories that God leads us and allows us to inhabit. To this end, a once-a-month informal small group gathering is going to be added to our calendar. It will be a space and time that will allow a mosaic of individuals to encourage our EB family through prayer and, and song and scripture, sharing and community. Similar to the Christians in Corinth who, when they met, each had a at a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, we want to offer the opportunity for multiple members of our church family to strengthen one another. It's an event that'll take place on the third Sunday night of each month and, and feature a style different from our Sunday morning assemblies. The first event will be next Sunday evening in our overflow room from 6 to 7 p.m. and, and will center on God's kingdom being a mosaic of, of difference. Think about it in terms of a family reunion, but without your crazy aunt who, who loves cats. Actually, she can come too if, if you'd like for her to. She's welcome. It's going to be a time for, for singles and families to share together in a very relaxed atmosphere that will be different each and every month in terms of, of focus and content and participation. Our Sunday morning assemblies will remain the same, but this event will vary each month. And you never know kind of what you're going to get, kind of like a box of chocolates. Now, if that sounds like something of, of interest to you, then we hope that you will participate and invite someone else to, to join you as a way to be encouraged to, to live out that relationship that you have with God and as you walk with others, helping them find their territory. But you might be thinking, you know, I'm not sure that kind of event interests me that much. After all, Chris, like you said, we are all different. And loud family reunions with crazy ants really just aren't, aren't my style. Well, we're also going to be offering a, a monthly hymn and prayer night. A more structured evening. 
that's focused on faith and family and our spiritual heritage. It's also going to take place in our overflow room and be planned in a way reminiscent of the prayer meetings of old. It will begin in February, so be listening for a date and, and time. And if, if either of these have you then thinking about the purpose behind being able to, to come together in, in different ways to encourage one another and, and to help walk one another into to new territories of faithfulness. But I want to encourage you to, to come and participate in a class that, that I'm going to be leading on, on Wednesday night, starting at this past Wednesday at 6.30. It's also in our overflow room, and it addresses this, this very subject. We're calling it Think Different. I'd love to have you come and be a part as, as together we talk about ways in which we can help to, to lead one another and to walk beside one another into the territory of God's blessings. All right, public service announcement over, right? Just had to be able to get that announcement in there, just so, just so you know, and can start kind of order, organizing your calendar as such. Here's how we're going to wrap things up. The Transjordan tribes led their fellow Israelites into battle. And at the end of those seven to eight years, they were praised by Joshua for, and, and we had this earlier, I hope you saw it, they were praised by Joshua for not deserting the other tribes. Not deserting the other tribes. And friends, I pray in the future the same will be said of our church body. That we did not abandon the tribes of our children and teens as they were coming to a faith in Christ, even though they would offer praise differently than us. That we didn't abandon the tribes of seekers as they were asking questions about faith, even though their conclusions were sometimes different than ours. That we didn't abandon the nuns as they shouted that religion was meaningless to them, even though their expressions of faith differed from ours. That we didn't abandon our senior saints as they entered a new season of service to God. I pray that it can be said that we did not abandon those struggling with sin, and that we did not abandon those searching for community. Instead, I pray that it will be said of us that in the future, people will look and say, you know what, East Brainerd, the East Brainerd Church of Christ, they left behind the comfort and security of their own spiritual reward in order to ensure that someone else was able to rest in God's kingdom. I want it to be said that in the future, that there were individuals who stood up within this body and said, I will lead others to this spiritual inheritance that God has planned out for them. I will do something different for you. And friends, if in the future, if that is what's said of this body, then that will truly be something different. Father, I thank you for the way that you have, that you have brought us together as a church body. And that the way that you have used those who have called East Brainerd home for all of these years in a way that would impact not only this community, but this city, this state, this country, and this world. And I thank you for those who have, in the past, been leaders. Those who have stood in the gap and those who have said, I will I will lead others 
so that they might be able to experience the goodness of God. So many different men and women who you have raised up and whom your spirit has within them lit a fire so that they would not be content in their own spiritual walk unless there were others who were walking beside them. Father, I'm thankful for those who have come before us and for the shoulders that we stand on and for all of the blessings that we've been able to enjoy. Father, we right now as a church family are able to enjoy a territory only because of those that that walk before us. And I pray that we would recognize, and as Joshua celebrated, those who did not abandon their, their spiritual kin, that we would do the same. And that, Father, that we would commit to being a men and women that would continue in that very tradition. That we would continue in that tradition of faith and that we would be, we would be energized by seeing these young families and these, these babies here on stage this morning. And we would make a commitment to them that we will lead them so that they might be able to enjoy your blessings even if they end up in territories that we never see. As they outgrow us, as Father, as they outlive us. And Father, may it be said of this place that this is always a group of people who are thinking of new ways in which to bring you honor and glory. New ways to be able to tap into the community of faith that is here utilizing all the many giftedness, all the different ways that individuals have been made unique by you. Father, that people will look to this place. They will see a place of love and peace and community. And they will want to know more, not just about us, but Father, about you. And then may we lead them into the territory of your blessings. So in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing and encourage one another. And if there are needs that you have in your body, in your tribe, in your family, we would love for you to make those known today. But we would love for you to, to feel comfortable being able to come before this church family and talk about the struggles maybe that you have had. Kevin was very honest earlier today about things that have been going on in his life and Tina's and their families. Maybe you have similar difficulties that you have been encountering. And maybe you've been thinking about, you know what, I need to leave that gift at the altar, so to speak. Maybe you need to come before this body saying, can we just pray? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for my family? Maybe you've come this morning because you would like to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins because you desire to be different. You desire to be able to experience a salvation. You desire to be able to be a part of a community. All of these things, they're different than what you currently have. We'd love for you to let that be known. Or if you'd just like some private time this morning just to be in prayer or a conversation with one of our elders Someone will be back in our prayer room. It's off in our lobby. You can exit out the doors and, and you'll be able to find it there. We'd love for you to have that opportunity available to you. Or maybe this morning you just need to stand and, and praise God for the promised land that you've been able to experience. And also to think about those who have helped lead you to this moment. 
Or maybe you just need to go and find them. Say thank you. Let's stand and give him praise.